Salams guys, my name is Mohammed Zaud and I'm the co-founder of Toledo Society, which is a podcast network dedicated to English-speaking Muslims across the globe. We've launched a couple of shows and we have several in the pipeline. Our first show, which is called The Transit Lounge, which I host, is currently live and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. On The Transit Lounge, we interview people who've had a considerable impact on the Muslim world. People who've had positions at the White House, members of parliament, business people and community people. We also have another show that's currently live called Seven Stories, Seven Minute Stories as you drop off your kids to school. We'd love your feedback and if you'd like to find out more, visit ToledoSociety.com. That's T-O-L-E-D-O Society.com. Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So welcome and enjoy. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to AccidentalMuslims.com. And this evening we have a, another special guest. But before that, <laughs> we have Asha Yubikan. Asha, welcome. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to everyone listening. Um, okay, so then I'll introduce our yes, guest. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so today we have Amina Pastor, and she is a fashion designer and lots of other things. So we're going to get straight into it, and I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I am Amina Pastor. I am a mom of three beautiful, helpful, wonderful daughters, alhamdulillah. Um, I've, and my husband, of course, beautiful, handsome, helpful <laughs> husband. Um, alhamdulillah. I'm the daughter of Zainunisa Adams. And a um, hundred days ago, my father passed away while I was on Hajj, uh, Ibrahim Adams. Um, so, yeah, that's who I am. Okay. I am a fashion designer by trade. I studied fashion design and I specialize in wedding gowns and anything creative and beautiful. However, I ended that last year um, due to, I also run an NGO called I Deserve It. I run a company called Mother's Fashion and Design Platform. And I'm recently, I was appointed the director of small businesses for the Council of Mother's Fashion. Okay. Africa. <laughs> so you're doing a lot. Yes. Yeah. What school did you go to? Okay. <laughs> I am one of 12 siblings. So between Grassy Park and Woodlands in Mitchell's Plain and um, I went to school at Grassy Park and I went to school in Mitchell's Plain. I went to, from there, I became a teenager, then I went to university and I discovered it's not for me. And then mm-hmm. my father, so I'll go straight into my study life yes. because I think that's more important. I mean, growing up, you have no choice of we, that's what you, mm-hmm. like you say, inherit. Yes. And... Um, so when I studied, uh, I went to UWC and you realize very late um, in those days that before it was seen if you go to university, that's success. Today, it is seen if you have a craft or a skill, your parents encouraging that. Hmm. That time, went to university, it wasn't for me, it dropped out. So you were forced to study what? No, it wasn't forced at all. Okay. I got in, I applied. And my parents used to support, but also didn't see that I actually liked fashion. Okay. They, I used to uh, beat shoes and beat dresses and design dresses and university success. So most likely if you get in, you go to university. 
you don't follow a passion. A yes. passion, um, dressmaking, there's no money. And even yes. people tell you that today, there's no money in dressmaking. And then I was at home and I did short courses. I did um, like your computer course and stuff because you need a job now. Yes. You're at home, you can't just sit at home. And then one day I asked my father, um, my friend had a sewing machine and I asked my father, can you buy me a sewing machine? And um, I, I convinced him I'm going to make my own scarves. I'm going to hem my own scarves because I couldn't sew. And then uh, he came home a few weeks later with a sewing machine and overlocker. And I'm like, okay, I need to know how to use this now. And then he asked me, why don't you go study? Why don't you go learn to do my clothing? Mm -hmm. My father was always a realist. He always wanted you to do either nursing or do something with your hands and skills. So uh, I thought, you know what, this man bought this machines. I should go and study now. Let me go and apply for fashion design. I did a short course in fashion design. And at the school, I met my actual lecturer, which was from Stellenbosch. And she saw my talent. Okay. And uh, it was Elizabeth Galloway Academy of Fashion Design in Stellenbosch. And I ended up studying there and finishing my um, diploma uh, over the three years. Wonderful, wonderful experience, but I still couldn't make things. Um, but now I had papers and the importance of paperwork, no matter what you're studying. Um, that papers got me a, a job in the fa uh, fashion industry, in the factories. And that time factories used to be big. And there I picked up so many skills. I worked at Monviso for three years, like an intern, and I, I learned the whole process of a factory, you know, even though I was in the design room. And then I love wedding gowns. I love um, beautiful dresses. And I, I started because I wanted to do more of that. Um, then I started my own business. Uh, I got my job, I had my first baby also, and it gave me opportunity to work from home because I had a baby. Uh, then six months later, I was approached by Iru Arons. Uh, I don't know if you know, but young people don't really know Iru Arons. <laughs> there we go. So um, he is a world-renowned fashion yes. designer. And Ochamna, I worked the, with him for three years. That's where I picked up most of my skills. Most, uh, I don't talk about what I can do, but if I look at something, I can do it. Yes. I can make it. Yes. I just came from a fashion show at the Indonesian consulate. And I could see the detail and the tailoring and everything I could see, and the person next to me was frustrated because that's not what she wear, but it wasn't about that, it was about the detail. Yes. And um, then I stopped working for him because once again, I worked in my own community. And for about 10 years, I stuck and worked for our community and made clothing. I was known as the bidding specialist because um, when Dilip was alive at Elegance, used to refer so many clients to me and I used to work with the beaded fabrics yes. and people's saris. And then I had a tragedy. I had a tragedy where uh, I was busy with a wedding mm -hmm. and one morning I woke up and everything was stolen. Oh. <gasps> yeah. Oh. So it was one week before the wedding. So luckily the wedding dresses was gone. It was a couple of outfits, but it was the fabric all came from India. Um, I, t I, I decided to replace at least one outfit, mm. um, sure, yes. which was very expensive. Yes. So it left me broke. Mm. And being independent, and if I asked my husband for a thing, I was to see to myself and all that. It was difficult to recover. It was very, very difficult to recover. And um, like I said to you, I took a tragedy to see other people because I was in a bubble. Mm -hmm. I was completely, yes. I made dresses, I made money, and my husband was doing fine. And I, I didn't really care about anybody else. Mm -hmm. We had nice cars, we had this, we had that. Yeah. And um, one day, because in this, I became... Like, oh my God, more depressed and depressed. And I, the clients started, they came and it's like I had the most horrible clients ever. And um, 
I met this group of ladies because mm. my husband cycles and we became friends. And you know how it is. Nobody must know your business. Nobody must know the pain that you're going through at home. Nobody must know that you are struggling financially. People must know because we are the people that go for coffee. Yes. We are the people that yes. hang out, you know. Let's yes. do this, let's do coffee. Let's yes. do... And I, I, I was still that person, mm. you know. And we went, I used to go for... I used to make excuses. Because I knew I don't have money and I'm not going to ask my husband because now he's paying my bills. I then sometimes... I used to go, and then one day one of the ladies said to me, let's go all go for massages. Because mm. we're that girls, you know? Yeah. We're going to go for massages, mm. and I'm like, oh my word, how do I tell them no? Mm. And I went to my husband, I said, you know what, those people just invited me to go for massages. And because he also didn't want them to know what's going on, he said to me, I'll pay for it. Mm. And I went, and that morning my daughter told me, mommy, my school shoes is tight. I need school shoes. And I'm like, oh my God, I booked a... Because now you become that person yes, that yes. needs every cent. Yes. And it's so unreal that you actually need every cent because before you didn't care, you just, yeah, you need school shoes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, couldn't turn back. Went for the massage and as I was laying there, I'm laying on this massage bed. I wonder if my friend is watching and she's next to me and I couldn't relax. I just could not relax. I couldn't enjoy it. And I had to convince myself now because I'm there. Yes. I paid. Yes. I need to get the full value out yes. of this massage. Yes. And um, I, t- I told myself, I deserve this. I deserve this. I said it over and over till t- the point that it sounded like a vicar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I told her, she was like, I said, we deserve this. Hey? She said, yes. And she's enjoying herself because she actually spurs herself. And as I'm laying there, when we left, I realized what I felt so many women don't feel and so many women work hard and they don't spoil themselves even if they have wonderful jobs they won't take that time out to go for a massage or see to themselves then i started seeing other women i started seeing i told my friend let's start an organization i told my husband i want to start something and it must be called i deserve it Mm. and i want my friend shayma to be my partner i went to her she's the person i say yes for everything yes (laughs) yes let's do this and Initially, we plan five friends is going to come sell products. We, we five, we the five friends, because now I was selling something, because I don't want to sew anymore. I'm selling Shazin or whatever I'm selling. And uh, she was selling something, and the other four ladies, we were all selling something, and we're going to invite five friends each. Yes. We're going to have our own audience. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. What happened was each five friend was selling things. And everybody else can also come with my product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said to her, you know what, Shaima, I'm going to get us a little wall. I'm going to find out down the road there's a little church wall. My surname is Pastor. They don't give it to Muslims. <laughs> I'm going to get it. Oh, wow. Really? And I did get Came it. Came in handy. <laughs> yeah. And I did get it. Yeah. And Alhamdulillah, on the day, it was so funny because now I started recovering also with my work and um, I didn't really need the money anymore. And uh, on the day, we booked. 20 people for this hall, 20, 25, we had the, because oh, we had 25 tables. Yeah. But we just told everybody, asked us, can I come, can I come? Mm. And we, we were going to make it females only. And what happened, I started getting calls from men and saying, Auntie, I lost my job, I'm not selling Acha. Auntie, I lost my job, I'm selling towels. And I told her, look, look, let's open this. This was eight years ago. Let's yeah. open this to community. Mm. Anyway, on the day, we had 25 tables and 45 vendors. We had to share the table. Oh, oh my. So... We each we charge each one fifty rand. Yeah. So now we had money in the kitty. Mm-hmm. So I said, to, and then when the event was so successful, after the people asked us to do it again, mm-hmm. 
and um, we did it. At Wachemlet was successful. We had after that we booked a hall where we hosted 125 vendors, and for eight years we've been running these markets to a point that everybody's now starting to do the same thing. And my philosophy is, it doesn't matter. It does not matter because we don't have retail stores the way we every day. We don't. We needed platforms for people to trade. Um, the only problem now people feel it is oversaturated. Uh, the markets um, to a point that I also do feel because now you have to look at the purpose. So we started this NGO called NPC called I Deserve It. Mm-hmm. And I Deserve It started funding other projects. So I now have, because of my skills, I have a sewing school. Mm-hmm. We have a, um, a foot clinic where my podiatrist taught some ladies how to work with diabetics and old people. And then um, I wanted more. I wanted more for our people. I started uh, I work a lot with home businesses, startup businesses, people that stuck, yeah. people that I feel that that doesn't have an income that needs the platform to trade. And I started doing research of where they can trade, where the products can go to. Then I tried to get them into retail. Um, what happened was I would do a presentation and they would love it. They love the concept. They love the fact that they're going to support uh, locals. And when I say I'm an NGO, they said we're not interested in NGO because in Cape Town in South Africa, NGOs are not really recognized and it's not supported. And all they see is that you want a handout, um, which led me to, to register a company called Modest Fashion and Design Platform. Yes. So that's why I sit with two companies. Okay. So it's the same company. company it's just if the one doesn't work, yeah. if they don't want to work with the NGO, yeah. I tell them I'm PTY. Yes. So that no one miss opportunity. Yeah. And then this year, Alhamdulillah, I was approached by the Council of Modest Fashion. Uh, to join them in building our entrepreneurs and it's going to be a fantastic fantastic platform which we can yes i was just saying i was actually just we were just speaking about this earlier and i was saying um that we don't know that there is this council and yet we dress modestly we wear things from local designers and we don't actually know that something like this exists um and it was so amazing because you were telling me it's a platform where everyone comes together um and and also um, it's all the it's all designers and how does it work? So the Council of Modest Fashion was established. Uh, like I told you, I went to America this year. Mm-hmm. I was I won an Entrepreneurs Award, Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. And then um, Rashan Isaacs uh, from South Africa. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Rashan Isaacs. She approached me. She asked me if I want to join because initially I asked her to join the other council that she was running. Um, but she told me just hold on. There's something else in the pipeline. Okay. And I said, well, yes, I want to join mm-hmm. your council. Didn't know what it's about at the beginning. And then I went to America, I came back, then I went for Hajj, two weeks later, and then we still didn't talk, but we chatted over WhatsApp, more or less, what it's going to be about and stuff like that, until initially we met, and then she introduced me to the four other partners, which was um, Leila Bardin, which runs Homemade, Um, it was Rashan, it was Zainab Slamang, which is um, a marketing kind of director in media and stuff like that, and we realized um, the four of us that we work in different fields of this different phases of what's happening in our community like the markets i work with seed and startup people i work with entrepreneurs that that goes to markets and sell the products mm-hmm. and stuff. Leila works in retail rashan works a lot with the global uh, community yeah. and zainab is all, all all over she can work in any phase okay. and we decided to structure it like that that i will work with startup businesses 
um, help them to register their businesses, get the knowledge of um, what how compliancy work, um, to move from one phase to the next. And Leila, again, um, we currently, uh, we just opened a store today in Kenilworth Center. Amazing. Um, which yeah. we were approached. Please tell everyone what it's called mm, and they can go visit it yeah. and go see what it's about. <laughs> so the store is called Africa Modest Collective. I need to get that right. Yes. So the store is at a Papa, Bahamla. Uh, we were approached by Kenova Center to trial um, modest fashion in mainstream main retail. And what we've done is we turn it into an accelerator program. We will actually take our designers and teach them how to be in mainstream retail. I do not have much knowledge about it because that is Leila's um, yes. Yes. sector of it. Okay. Um, because everything happened so fast, we grabbed the opportunity. Yeah. So um, we're inviting a whole lot of designers and entrepreneurs to come and trial and see if your product can fit, come and get educated about retail, um, it's just an amazing opportunity that we don't want anybody to miss. Yes. And it's only for a short term. Okay. Um, and then, inshallah, if we try and do it every year, um, just to, to expose them to retail. Okay. So we're going to encourage everyone listening and everyone watching to actually go and do a store. And, and shopping. Go, yes. And go support. And shopping. Um, Modest support fashion. Yes. yes. It's completely local. It's mm-hmm. completely uh, different designers um, in Cape Town, yeah. some in Johannesburg yes. as well. Um, that is, we'll be having a rail. Amazing. Um, but they're having, besides the, the pop-up, they'll get the accelerated program, mm-hmm. which teach you how to be in retail. Okay. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you, so, I mean, it sounds like you've done a lot of work in community and a lot of empowerment, and so if you could pick one favorite story um, from your work in the community. My favorite story, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's so many. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> there's so many. Just just the first thing that... Is the entrepreneurs, the startup. Okay. That's my passion. Okay. It's people that have the idea mm-hmm. of a business. I, I want to sell this pot order mm-hmm. and or I want to produce this. And you tell them, that's not going to work. I want to tell them it's going to work. Yes. I want to be that person. Yes. And do you see the, the, I mean, what's the impact when, when you actually do believe in people? That's amazing because people, we were, we grew up with we can't. Mm-hmm. And uh, we grew up with it's not going to work. And we grew up with, you know what, success is going to study. Success is to go to university and have your PhD. I, I was telling someone the other day, I go to so many events and people speak about the PhDs. And, the, and I'm thinking, maybe I should say I have my GHD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yes. I, maybe they don't even know what to do, but it will work for me. Yeah. But life is not about that. We entering the fourth industrial revolution where it's anybody's game as a game-changing time i mean look at what you what you've created um uh, the the connection between people and um people can develop anything six it says that in the in future 60 percent of um, businesses of work is going to be skills it's going to be skills, so which means there is no more jobs. We are left when we, when people are retrenched and they lose their jobs, they have to turn to skill. They have to turn to that donut making or that. Yeah. Um, I mean, if uh, cinnamon is my yes. favorite, it's one product. <laughs> I don't eat cinnamon. So. Really? <laughs> no. don't? Wow. I don't. I don't eat cinnamon. No, I I, I don't know. Oh it's God. just very weird. But cinnamon for everyone that doesn't eat cinnamon, they make a cinnamon without cinnamon. Oh really? Yes. Okay. Just to get that out. There. But the fact <laughs> is that one product. Yes. One thing yes, yes. it's making swaves. Mm. So 
people should stop also thinking, you know, I need to make 10 things. Mm. Or I need to make, okay, except for me, I do so many million things. But I, I, it's the <laughs> same concept. Work together. I have the same yeah. concept. I work yeah. with entrepreneurs yes. and that's my, yes. my, my passion is to work with people and mm. their products and build their products. Like I tell you, for me, it's when I used to make dresses, if I make wedding dresses, I was not cheap. But if you can't afford me, then what's the sense of, you can't come to me. So I would want you to make money so that you can afford me. So if we want that for everybody else, guess what? We're going to have an amazing country. Yeah. Do, you yeah. still, do you still make dresses? I try not to. The people out there, some people not watching that I'm busy with a few. So, <laughs> because I love them dearly. Yes, so yes. I say yes to. Got, got you into it in the first place. Yeah. I guess, yeah. So um, the, the, I've got a few dresses that I'm making, okay. which is family and friends. So, How did you tell the client that, that lost everything? That I have a, it was an amazing client. Um, because when I phoned them, I phoned them immediately. And obviously I think it was in-house people that worked for me. Um, they said, I'm not done, worry about it. We're business people. We've been through this recently. We also had a break-in. We lost everything. Um, you're not wow. dealing with us. Yes. They were amazing. Mm. And I forced so yeah. to replace things. Yeah. And they, they weren't interested, but I forced. And when I was done, because now I had only one week to, re- to do a dress for each auntie. When I was done, the next week I crashed. I completely crashed and I couldn't recover after six months, you know, because that's the way I am. I was going to push through until it's done and then I fall for it. Yeah. You know, so what, they were. What did this tragedy, you said, you said tragedy, what, is it te- what did it teach you the most? Get off your eyes. Take note of people. I mean, I walk into a store. And I get very upset if the cashier don't take note of me because I'm taking note of her. I acknowledge them. I acknowledge everyone now. Um, people are important. Sometimes I do have my moods. I won't smile. It doesn't mean I don't. But it's so important that that smile that I get back, smiling is a sinner. So, so my whole, my whole, um, I start seeing everybody. Whether you're a small child, I love working with, I work with a lot of orphanages. We work with a lot of, um, old age homes because we have the food care with old people to me everybody's important everybody's a lesson you know mm-hmm. so I'm going to take it back a little bit um, when so how okay I'm not going to ask you how many years ago you started studying but that's um, fine I'm <laughs> telling people my age okay but but what what was it like studying in fashion design being a young Muslim woman first of all I studied in Stellenbosch yes, yes. so I was the only Muslim mm-hmm. and I'm the only colored and brown, you still are Muslim and white. <laughs> but do you know what I'm Not saying? Really, but yes. So um, look at that time. It was it was it was wonderful because first of all they speak so the Afrikaans are so pure yeah. that you cannot keep up. Even I can speak Afrikaans, but it's kept base. Yes. And then um, they respected me a lot, and they Afrikaners are just generally respectable people. Um, when I went to go work there, they employed me years later. Um, I'm Afrikaans, became so fantastic. I mean, I used to speak to them tiny yes. and tiny and Omiyan yeah. and very Afrikaans that made them uncomfortable. <laughs> but when I was younger, it was a challenge. Um, also, with when it comes to fashion show, my stuff was more covered. This was completely open. Um, I didn't. It didn't matter. They would make made a fuss of me. Like I was one. Uh, the, the, not the second student, top student. Um, in my final year, 
you know and it, it wasn't about what you were designing it was about the yeah. skill it's about how you put that thing together and knowing your dots mm. and your scenes and your it was about that mm. it was not about what you were making yeah and we were saying also speaking about this earlier because then that was so different the modest way and now it's so part of look I initially I knew I'm going to work for our own people yes, yes. I knew that so yeah. at, at, for me I just I was there for the skill mm. I didn't care what they were making and then care what I was making I was there for the skill and I went to a top school mm. and the top school got me into a top job mm. and got me into working for a top designer yeah. and that, that's where paperwork coming you know and I can tell you now I, mean, I studied three years but I learned nothing and that's what college does until you get the experience. Yeah, right. You know, now that I have a sewing school for the last uh, seven years, I teach uh, ladies from the community to sew. And within four months, I teach them how to make things. They actually leave there with a pants, a top, a skirt, and a, a dress. You know, and to them, they do not understand, like, yeah. why is it taking so long? Mm-hmm. I felt that it took me four years and working to be able to do it, what you're doing in four and months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I've, I've modified the, the, the program so much that I want people to leave with a product. Mm. So every month I would teach him one thing, you know, and our people's very impatient. Mm. You know, they feel they're investing a little bit in a course or something like that. But this is stud- the difference between studying for four years because I needed the paper and doing a course because no matter how good I will train them, they will never get a job in the industry because, because they don't have the papers. Yes, yes. What what is the school's name and where is it? So um, the sewing school at the moment is called it's called uh, Sew to Grow. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. it's part of it's one of our projects it's now. Nice so I deserve it. Um, it is at the moment at Range Road Hall in Kinwin, mm-hmm. yeah. and in Shall we're planning to change the concept of it the way the school runs. We feel that people we do four months, but we do feel okay. people need longer. And people do want to learn, yes. so we we need a longer commitment. And also, I'm starting couture. Like I want people to learn bridal way, yes. seeing that I don't want to do it, I want to pass the trade, and I believe in transferring your trade. Yeah. I mean, I want all the rewards. Yes, and everyone, everyone offers something different at the end of the day. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so now I'm going to ask you um, the question. Yes, you have so many questions. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, so the one question that I want to ask is, what do you think of the name Accidental Muslims? Um, accidental Muslim. <laughs> yeah. Initially, I thought, oh, it's for Evert. Okay. It's for okay. people that impress Islam. Yes. Um, accidental Muslim, after Khalil explained to me, Accidental Muslim, I think it's brilliant. Um, the fact that, like you said, you inherited this mm. from your parents. Mm. We, we didn't ask to be Muslim. Yeah. And we are reared yeah. as Muslims. And, um, yeah. yeah it makes you think. It makes you think. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah. And I must tell you out there, um, people don't know. Like, I feel that you do need to make credit. I mean, I took it from a business side. No, okay. That's what I do. I, 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 see, all the advice. I see you as an entrepreneur, so yeah, now I'll yeah. tell you what to do. So yeah. I believe in awareness in whatever you're doing. So I feel more people need to know. And, and I think... Need to know about accidental, accidental Muslims. and what you... Yes, because yeah. the, 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 the purpose is to get people like me to talk. Yes. And in, empower and encourage other people. And that's my passion okay. as well. Yeah. So I can talk forever. <laughs> okay, so since you can talk forever, the next question is your favorite ayah and why? Okay, um, I do not have a favorite ayah. It depends on the time of my life, where I am at. Um, when I was in Hajj, uh, when I was, like I said, you are sitting in the Roda, and not in the Roda, in, the, in Medina's Haram. Now this year, Alhamdulillah. Um, and I looked at every single person and I thought, and I started 
making du'a for the person, the one person who brought Islam to Cape Town. And I thought, subhanAllah, because of that one person and because of many others that fought for Islam, I'm sitting in Medina as a Muslim, a South African, Cape Town, South African Muslim. And I was proud. Um, before that, before I went on Hajj, I was in America. And I was so proud to be Cape Townian Muslim. Yes. And then, um, obviously, the, the journey in Makkah, we traveled with Sheikh Faisal Gul and he's a historian. So you would bring up hadiths and you would bring up ayahs and you'd feel that at that moment. At the moment, my favorite is Surah Yasin and Surah Mulk, which is in the morning. Uh, like I said, you, when I was on Khaja, I lost my father. Um, uh, three of our sisters was on Khaja and we lost our father. So it was very, very... Challenging, very yes, difficult, yes. but we accepted it. Allah puts the contentment in your heart immediately. And I was so grateful also that it happened there because what I could give back to him. Mm-hmm. The du'as, the tawaf, the, you know, my father was yeah. on a full hajj journey yes. with us. It was amazing. Yes. Yeah. And on Monday, I lost my brother. This Monday. Oh, my Yeah, he just... Yeah, so he just... He's 48 and he has yeah. small children and he just got sick and he passed yeah. away. But what... Uh, also, when we were on Hajj, a week before my father, my mm-hmm. husband's cousin, 38 years old, mm-hmm. passed away. And what I've realized is um, the Friday khutbah was about your age. The Prophet Salsam said, um, there's gonna come, my Ummah's going to come, they're going to live between 60 and 70. Mm-hmm. And I was so heartbroken because of this 38-year-old, because we assume our life is going to be long. We can assume, you know, oh, one day I'm going to make salah, oh, one day I'm going to do this, oh, one day I'm going to make charity and stuff when I'm older. And then nowadays, my brother was 48. And then the next day, my father passed away. And I was grateful. He was 77. I was grateful because at 77, he was living for Akhira. He wasn't interested in a car. He wasn't interested in a house. So every morning, we used to recite Surah Yasin and Surah Mulk. What was that for? For your grave. That was your protector. So when they passed away, it was Yasin and uh, uh, Surah Mulk, uh, Surah Kaf on a Friday. Um, that's now with me because I know what they're going, they're going through, the, the grave, the, the transition. Um, so that's my favorite okay. at the moment. So like I said, tomorrow yes. something else happened yes. and I, I... Depends on yes. what's happening at that time. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, what does um, success mean to you? <laughs> success, subhanAllah, is if I can help someone else. Like I said, we live too much in our own bubble. Mm. If I believe, if you don't help grow someone else, mm. you don't grow. Yes. So, so our whole concept with whatever we do, with it's I deserve it, modest fashion, and the council of modest fashion is working with people. If they don't grow, we don't exist. If I can't teach people, I don't exist. My business don't exist. So to me, that's success. So what we do is, it's the same with any company, and people don't realize this. If you work for a company, I still work for the designer, and people used to say, I don't have to do it, the, the fashion, the, the, the staff. <laughs> and I said, but he dies, you don't have a job. Yes. It's the same with any company. Mm. So we need everybody to be successful. Mm. The same with Pershing Garment. If I make a wedding dress and she can't afford it, she can't come to me. So we need to empower everybody. So if you could describe yourself in three words, what would those words be? I can't really describe myself. <laughs> I can say something that um, there's one thing that I dislike mm. thoroughly and I realized it the other day is don't even tell me I can't. Mm. The word I can't and we grew yeah. up with I can't. Mm. We tell children you can't. Mm. I tell you you can mm. and you need to try and if you fail 
you have to be glad that you tried than one day saying I didn't try. So the describing myself, that's me. So that actually links to the to the next question because it might be easier now to um, going to things like fashion design than yeah. it was, um, but there are still um, parents who want the you know the degree the and, yes. and the GHDs. So <laughs> what would you say for I mean young women and men that have yeah. a different direction that they would like to go into and are finding it difficult to actually do this? So what I tell my children, my daughter's seventeen and I will look good. Um, so I tell them all the time, learn as much skills as possible. Don't use it if you don't want it. But learn, do photography, do floral arrangement, do as much as you can and study what you want to. Because if you get retrenched one day or if you just, most females that I know give up their jobs after having very, very professional careers. So if you want to give it up, you have something to fall back on and your skills are something you can do from home. So I always uh, encourage that. So I encourage even people studying. Do something extra. Don't just study what you what you know because the time will come, especially women, where you want to be at home with your children, where you want to be flexible, you know. And the best thing, what do we turn to? Is cooking, sewing, and what's the third thing? <laughs> cooking, sewing, and yes, and yeah, in that line. Thing, yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, I couldn't get to the cooking, sewing, baking. <laughs> baking is huge. Yes, baking is big. Baking is big. And I mean, today it's like, yeah. you know, all these cakes that look yeah. so fantastic. But it's a skill. Yeah. And those ladies and most of our Capetonians have inherited skills. Mm. And it's amazing. We are so powerful, we just don't know it. Mm. Yeah. So, so um, you said you were invited to go to the Malaysian con, was it? Like so, Indonesian consulate. Indonesian consulate. Oh, so, Indonesian consulate, um, what was that experience like? And um, with regards to, so fashion day, fashion year. So, um, a few years ago, I was invited to the Indonesian trade fair. Tonight was just the Indonesian, some designers that came okay. over from Indonesia to showcase the um, clothing. Mm-hmm. But what I found in Indonesia, first of all, when I arrived there, they actually asked someone to speak and I didn't want to get up about the experience to go to Indonesia. The first thing I came was when I stood on these steps and I, this is where we come from. This is part of our heritage. Yes. You know, and I was amazed. Mm-hmm. I was amazed of, then we went to the, the trade show and they are 10 times more skilled than us. So we got this from them, yes. the skills that we have, the yeah. fact that we can bake and cook and do all that. If we need to be upskilled, okay. so it's either we import some uh, Indonesians or we go there. Yes. Because so this is all different trades. Oh my God! Okay. These people develop and make their own products and own things and own, and we are we are we are blocking ourselves. There's so much to learn. Think of today's youth. What concerns you? Oh, young are first of all following influences. <laughs> Okay. Because yes, I'm sorry to bring this up, and I always think about. It. I'm like, what do influence influence? Yes, because I'm so. I look at my daughter, and I think um, this idea of life that you have that um, we, I must have a car like that, and I must have this, and we must have that. It, it might not become reality for her, mm. and she's following people, and then what does that lead to? Depression, bipolar, and all these things that we're sitting with. Um, and we as parents as well as, as to blame, but they get to a certain age 
We can't really control what they follow. So I speak to them all the time. So what concerns me is that they have this idea that I need to be rich or I need to be a certain person. Me. I'm building me. No one else exists. That's a big concern. Because it's all about them. If I climb the ladder, if I'm successful, if I'm this, they don't think that they need you and you. So that's my biggest concern of the youth. That's why I, I love accidental Muslims um, tagline so much because it says live with purpose. Yes. Um, and that's the other thing, yes. um, you know, Simon Sinek, that we said uh, this purpose. People say, I want to make an impact. Mm. And then they work for eight months and they say, I'm leaving the job. I ask them why. Because I'm not making an impact. There's no purpose. Because there's an impatience of, of letting things happen, the now, with the now Instant community. You know, and that's also another concern. But how do you get out of it? How do you get youth to realize that things take time? And the slow journey is a successful journey. And even though sometimes it feels like, oh my God, that one, it's the perception that's on the Instagram and social media of success that makes us worry that we're behind. And everybody's actually on the same journey. Yeah. You know? And in the same light, what excites you? About excites the me about the youth. Yes. That's <laughs> the opportunities that they have, and I don't see it. There's so much opportunities out there. And um, tapping into it, that sometimes I would say, it's like uh, there was a recent competition with, which involved accidental Muslims, which you had to be 37. Was the cut of age? <laughs> <laughs> so I said I'm a late bloomer because I was nominated, and yes. I said well, I'm a late bloomer, um, which is the truth. You need to up that age, everything. But it's not. It wasn't because of the prize. It's the awareness also once again to be involved mm-hmm. and and these people that create things at sixty, at fifty. So what can was the question? Concern. What what excites what you? Excites you? The opportunities. <laughs> yes. The opportunities yes. that that the youth have. And um, getting them involved, you know, because they don't realize we had a competition running now that we want, we're having a market on the 2nd of December at Athlon Civic, please community support us, all our local designers. Um, then we decided we want to run this competition where the youth, your child takes over your business. So your child is responsible to market and advertise take photographs, speak about the event, make little videos, and on the day set up your whole station and work there, teaching them the responsibility of what if I cannot go study? I become an entrepreneur. It doesn't stop. I don't lay at home. I find a product and I try and sell it because this is the way of the future. It's becoming an entrepreneur, not studying. And if I do make my money and I can go study, I'm going to do that. But it's to encourage more entrepreneurs. Yes. Yes. So that excites me about the, 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 the possibilities as just getting them to see it mm-hmm. and just getting us to realize even these, especially people who are entrepreneurs already, encourage your kids. Mm-hmm. Let them do the job, yes. no matter how small. Um, I had a friend who told me, uh, you know, Amina, we used to, I used to hate it, but every weekend I had to go work in my father's shop. Today I understand why, today I run my own business. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how to run the business. For us, used to let... Everybody used to work for us, but he used to let me and my brother sweep. We had to wipe the tools. We had to do this. We had to do that. Sense of accountability. Yes. We don't do that. We are striving to work so hard and sell our products so that our kids can go to university because we want a better life for them. So what if they only take 50 students? Your child qualifies, but they only take 50 because 50 kids are phased. 
What then? So, entrepreneurship. What are your final words for, for our listeners? Do things with purpose more. Okay. Um, and then I just want to ask, is there any way that people can find you on social media? Yes, they can find me on Instagram. Uh, not me. Um, I deserve it. Yes. It's on Instagram. Then also the modest fashion and um, design platform. That's also another handle of mine. And obviously now I join the Council of Modest Fashion Africa. Okay, so it's all on Instagram? All on Instagram okay. and on Facebook. Okay, okay. Thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing speaking to you. Um, and all the success that you've Salams, guys. My name is Mohammed Zaud, and I'm the co-founder of Toledo Society, which is a podcast network dedicated to English-speaking Muslims across the globe. We've launched a couple of shows, and we have several in the pipeline. Our first show, which is called The Transit Lounge, which I host, is currently live, and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. On The Transit Lounge, we interview people who've had a considerable impact on the Muslim world, people who've had positions at the White House, members of parliament, business people, and community people. We also have another show that's currently live called Seven Stories, seven minute stories as you drop off your kids to school. We'd love your feedback and if you'd like to find out more visit toledosociety.com. That's T-O-L-E-D-O society.com. So that's it for today's show. We hope we added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.